Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the USC Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? I'm Nara Wang, and with the big rivalry game against Notre Dame on tap for this week, I've got two guests on the show this week, one to cover both teams. My first guest was a defensive lineman at USC from 2002 to 2005, before going on to a 13-year career in the NFL with the Bengals, Browns, Cardinals, and Raiders. I'm pleased to welcome Frosty Rucker to the Believe in USC podcast. Frosty, how's it going? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. It's about time you reached out. I was waiting for a text, call, an email, a DM. Well, I heard you were quite busy with that football career, so I didn't want to disturb you. Yeah, you're right. I completely forgot about those last 13 years. So I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you on. And of course, if you enjoy the Believe in USC football podcast, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn, wherever you find podcasts. That's where you can find us. And of course, the website, it's Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com on social media at Believe Podcasts. For me personally, you can find and follow me on Twitter at Nara Wang Sports. That's N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Frosty, where can they find you on social media? On my Facebook, it's under my name, Frosty Rucker. On Instagram, it's at The Organic Frost. And on Twitter, the same, at The Organic Frost, where we can have debates, we can have conversation, we can talk about what you ate for dinner, we can talk about any sports, climate, Anything that's going on, that's where you can find me at at the Organic Frost. Great to hear it. And be sure to reach out to both of us if you have any questions, comments you want answered about USC football. USC at three and two is heading into this weekend's game against bitter rival Notre Dame Fighting Irish, the ninth ranked team in the country. It's a 4.30 p.m. Pacific start. It's going to be a night game locally in South Bend, Indiana. Of course, NBC has the broadcast because it's a Notre Dame home game locally in L.A. radio, 7.90 a.m. And Let's start with this, Frosty. What is your impression of the team and USC's season so far? Personally, I think we're a lot better than the years in the past. Statistically, we may be around the same, averaging the same type of things, but new OC, new players, hopefully our second-string quarterback playing. I think we're a lot better. There's a lot of areas to improve, as always, but as a team, as a whole, I think they're playing together. and. They clean a few things up. I think we can make a run at the number nine team come Saturday evening. Yeah, it's always a big deal to play Notre Dame. So you can almost throw out the records, throw out the rankings when the Trojans and the Irish get together. When it comes to this team, it seems as if there's kind of a Jekyll and Hyde thing. We know the team is very talented and they can look so good at times, but at other times, It just seems that they're lackadaisical, they miss tackles, they commit penalties, and for a USC fan and for everyone who follows USC, there's a lot of frustration about that. 
Right. I think we all have high expectations going into each season as any fan would have. And like you said, you kind of took the words out of my mouth with some of the inconsistent play that they have and they displayed. And there's a lot of positives that we could talk about also and how these guys are, like I said, playing with the new OC and having to battle with injuries at the quarterback position. We don't know what goes into the game plan. So there's a lot of things that we can sit here and chip on them about, but also I think there's positives and I think the team's playing together. And that's one of the things that in the past couple seasons, it felt like games got out of reach because of a lack of playing with passion together. And some of that is attributed, of course, to Clay Helton, the head coach who has been on the hot seat since the end of last season, maybe throughout his entire tenure as head coach. What are your thoughts on Clay Helton as USC's head coach and his status currently? Clay is, you know, giving us the best he's got. Obviously, when the position was open, he got hired from within because a bunch of football student athletes stood on the table for him and they wanted him to be the guy. And this is all from within because they were familiar with it. To say that, I also say that he wasn't the sexiest pick out there that we could have had to lead our Trojans. That's definitely true. And we will see going forward, he's going to have to win games like these if he wants to keep his job. And of course, that's all up in the air with USC not having a permanent athletic director. I would expect that that decision will get made first and whoever the new AD is will then bring in whoever they want as a coach. And Clay Helton, you would almost expect that has to win almost every game the rest of the way to have a chance to stay as USC's coach. Well, I'd like to say that that should be the norm. It shouldn't be just to keep your job. It should be, you know, when you're you're coaching a USC or a Power 5 team, it should be winning each and every week and exhausting all options to do so. Not just to fight for your job, but you're fighting for legacy and you're fighting for every coach, every player that has come before you. If you want to check out every week on Twitter after a game, I put up the Helton Hot Seat Scale poll to kind of get a read on what people are thinking on how hot Clay Helton's seat really is. And to do that, I use four different chili peppers. The hottest is the Carolina Reaper at 2.2 million Scoville heat units, which is how they measure the spiciness of chili peppers. Following that is the ghost pepper at over a million SHU. There's habanero at 350,000 and the cayenne pepper at 50,000. So to recap again from a couple weeks ago after the Washington loss, Carolina Reaper won the vote with 39%, followed by ghost pepper at 34%. Habanero took 15% of the vote and cayenne at 11%. So is that kind of what you expect to be the hot seat ranking for Clay Helton so far based on what you've seen out of USC this year? Yeah, I mean, everyone's responsible for it, but it always starts at the top and with an intern AD. So you can't point the finger at the AD department at this rate. The school and the program has every tool they need to be successful. And I think, like you said, the hot seat does have to go to Coach Helton. I think he has the tools to turn around. And I think he has the players and he has everything at his will to get it done. It's just a matter of really tapping into it and exhausting all options to get the job done on Saturday. All right. So now let's turn to this matchup. USC, Notre Dame. 
you played in some big USC Notre Dame games. What can we expect out of an SC Notre Dame game, especially one that's going to be at their place in South Bend? Well, to start off with, we haven't won a game in South Bend since 2011, and we can do the math on that. And that's been not our best place to go, right? Obviously, we trade off each year. And if we go back, Matt Barkley was the quarterback. When we beat them there, you're not only playing versus the team, you're playing versus the crowd, the environment, and you're playing versus the history of the matchup. So it will be a tough setting for these guys, especially playing versus the number nine team that's only lost so undefeated Georgia. I hope over the bye week after we took that loss to Washington that we regrouped. We really hunkered down and to solve a lot of the issues that we display on Saturdays. I think over a course of a bye week, things could be addressed and hopefully they went forward with correcting a lot of the stuff. Yep, they have talked about trying to fix some of those things during this bye week and getting guys healthy. One little stat of note that maybe USC fans can take some hope from is that the last five times that USC had a bye week before playing Notre Dame, they've won. So obviously, coming off of the off week after the loss to Washington, maybe they can keep that trend up. But like you said, the last three times that they have played in South Bend, they have ended in losses for USC. Is there anything you remember from your specific games against Notre Dame that we can expect to have in such a heated rivalry that basically transcends eras? Well, I I feel like coming out of the gate, the environment and the stage that it's going to be an evening game versus Notre Dame and South Bend and sitting around all day watching college football and hearing or watching the naysayers not give you a chance to win the game, to stay focused and not pay attention to that stuff. I feel like going out there and setting the tone, if it's on special teams, the first kickoff or return, making a big play like that and being balanced. I think being balanced and, you know, run and pass and run the ball at them. I think Notre Dame's given up the 71st and run, given up 150 on the ground, and we like to pass. We're very pass-heavy. So I think if we were more balanced and ran the ball at them with, you know, our three backs that we have that are playing really well, I think we give them a chance and give the O-line a chance to wear down on those D-linemen. So late in the game when we turn it on to a passing attack, I feel like that would be a great time to get them. The D-line slows down, and hopefully – we have Slovic as our quarterback, and he can get Pittman and the guys going. Yeah, Keaton Slovis, who missed the Washington game because of the concussion he suffered on the second play of the Utah game, is expected to be back, we would think. Again, we are recording this on Monday, so it's not official yet, but he did get back into non-contact practice last week during the bye week. So all indications would be that Keaton Slovis to be back as the starter against Notre Dame. And of course, there's the hostile environment there at Notre Dame Stadium. There's Touchdown Jesus. There's the leprechaun running around on the sidelines. What is involved with having to deal with everything that that environment brings to this rivalry game? There is a little the leprechaun running around, getting tossed around in the stands. You know, it's a rowdy crowd of a whole bunch of people that aren't cussing at you, but wishing you not well. On top of that, you're playing versus a Brian Kelly team and coach that isn't afraid of playing versus USC. His record shows that he's dominated that robbery. You're playing a team that's not afraid to go toe-to-toe with you. You knew in other games it would be a slug match, but right now it just looks like Notre Dame should, on paper, control the ballgame. 
I don't think so. I think coming off a bye, like you said, our record coming off a bye, playing them is very well. We always regroup. We get some guys back. We'll play a lot better. We'll play together. We've got to play balance. Got to eliminate the crowd noise by coming out fast, getting a touchdown. Can't trade touchdowns and field goals. We can't do that. And I think if we went on third down, get some turnovers, went on third down, I think we're right where we need to go. And if we could just finish a ball game off when it's highs and lows all through three quarters, in the fourth quarter, we can't give it away. It's a bad play. Turnover, we have to react by making a play. Yeah, and that's been one of the criticisms of SC is that a lot of times in these games, we let the game get away from us. Or if we're ahead, we let the other team, regardless of how good they are, hang around and hang around. And it's a one-score game in the fourth quarter. You know, anything can happen. Yeah, absolutely. My tenure at USC, there was only a few games where they were close like that. And there's only a few times we actually lost. But during those losses, we never really let a team get away from us. And I think that's what this team needs to focus on, that you're in the ball game, make a play, leaders lead, step up, quiet the noise by making a play, create turnovers. And when you're on the road, you got to pack your defense and special teams. So I'm expecting special teams to make a big play. I need a pump block, a good pump return to put us in position before the half to get some points on the board. And defense, defense has to step up. Offense is at disadvantage. They're away. The crowd's going to be loud. They're going to be, like I said, not swearing, but not wishing you well. You got to be able to pack your defense and your special teams, and they got to be huge on the road, and especially in this rivalry game. I do want to follow up on one thing is since you are, of course, a defensive lineman, I want to talk about the issues that USC has had this year with opposing D lines, especially in the two losses against BYU and Washington, where those two teams basically dropped back a lot of times eight in coverage, only showed five in the box, and yet their defensive lines were getting through and stuffing the run and putting pressure on our quarterback, even though they were rushing three or four. That's just unacceptable for a USC team. Well, I think some of that contributes to just the offensive style we have. We don't have, you know, any three tight end sets where we're just going to run power right at you, make you adapt to what we're doing and put more people in the box, and then that opens up the offense. And, you know, we're coming out gunning, right? We're coming out, we're running zones, and we're getting rid of the ball with RPOs. So. There you have it. You have to keep people out of the box or you're going to get affected by the RPOs. And if we can't run the ball effectively, we're going to end up in the same position week in, week out, where be a close game that may get away from us, where teams are playing six in the box at times, seven in the box, and being able to stop our run and cover the receivers. I played on great defenses in my whole career going back to USC. And I know if you can play a football game in seven-man box and stop the run, your chances are pretty successful on having a sound defensive matchup, a sound game plan if you can get and win first and second down with seven on the box. But like you said, teams, they're putting eight guys deep. They're running different zones on us, and they know we're coming out pass heavy. And that's really, that's the air raid offense. That's what they want to do. But under Graham Harrell, he does say that if the numbers show that they need to run, if they're going to drop back that many in coverage, then SC has to run. And they are to a certain extent. They weren't that great against BYU, just over 170 yards. They had over 200 against Washington. But it still doesn't seem like if those teams are basically daring USC to run, SC needs to run, and they need to be better at it. They, sh- they should not be losing line battles when it's five against three. You're right. I have nothing to argue with that statement. I would just say, again, we know what we're getting by the higher 
at the offense. And over the course of bye week, I'd love to see some new wrinkles. Like I said, a couple tight end sets where it's going to be a series of predominantly run. And I think that the tempo that you can go at that will tire people down. They'll make them think. And the guys up front won't have to think as much and it's pad on pad. You're running powers. You're getting double teams on the three techniques. And, you know, if you got three tight ends out there or two, you can double a defensive end at times and rub off to a linebacker. There's things you can do with that, and that will settle everyone down, and that opens up the play pass. And then you can come out and open up the offense a little bit with the linemen a little bit more tired because they're expecting doubles, and they're, you know, they're a little bit tired of taking on 600 pounds. So there you have it for me. Awesome. So that is a look at USC. We're going to transition and talk Notre Dame side of things. So, Frosty, we're going to give you a quick little break and bring you back for our always fun predictions segment later in the show. Sounds good. Now it's time to look at the Trojans' opponent this Saturday, the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. And for that, I welcome in Joshua Vowles, the site manager for One Foot Down, SB Nation's website for Notre Dame football. Joshua, welcome to the Believe in USC podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to have you on. And real quick, is there an explanation for the One Foot Down name for the website, just to let the Trojan fans who are listening who might not know? Yeah, obviously, one foot down uh, is all you need in college. And a friend of mine started this site uh, many years ago, and it was supposed to be a general college football site with an Irish lean. There's a long story to how everything has evolved into what, but that's basically it. Uh, <laughs> eventually turned into a just a Notre Dame uh, athletic site, and the name stuck with us. Great. At least a little bit of knowledge for people out there who might be interested in that. But let's get right to it and talk about the impression that you have of how Notre Dame's team and season have gone so far. Four and one, of course, the only blemish, a loss on the road at number three, Georgia at Sanford Stadium and a game in which most people said that Notre Dame acquitted itself quite well. So, what is the thought process for Notre Dame fans right now about how the team's doing? Yeah, I think generally everyone's fairly happy. It was kind of a surprise what's gone on so far with Notre Dame in the sense that with personnel, a lot of the things that we were led to believe and thought and predicted about in spring and summer uh, haven't exactly happened. And it's been for the better for Notre Dame, for sure. But they're definitely a linebacker and defensive backs, especially a corner. There's some things going on that we didn't really think was going to happen. So we're really happy. It was a close loss to Georgia down there in Athens, you know, after giving up 200 yards rushing to both New Mexico and Louisville, uh, going down there and stopping Georgia or holding Georgia to 152 yards rushing on their home field is a huge win for the defense. And it's really set them on the right path. A lot of times I think that when people look at Notre Dame and USC, the talent level is fairly equal, fairly similar. And why is Notre Dame in the contention for a college football playoff discussion while USC is struggling? I think you got to go right to the coaching. Brian Kelly is one of the top coaches in the country. Clay Helton is not. And the staff that Brian Kelly has built there has done a lot of good as well. I think you got to look at coaching as a big difference between these two teams. Absolutely. Notre Dame has really built themselves a, a really nice coaching staff. One of the best in the country for sure. After the disaster of 2016, Brian Kelly cleaned house and they, they went and got Mike Elko, Chip Long, uh, did some other things. And, you know, even after the departure of Mike Elko after the 2017 season of Texas A&M and some oil money, Clark Lee has really just picked it right up and done quite well. So the coaching staff has been incredible. They do a really good job, not just coaching, but recruiting and identifying talent. And, and Brian Kelly can't be underrated. 
in all this. He really has been the engineer and has done his part to bring this all together. So let's take a look at the offense first. Obviously, for Notre Dame, they've got Ian Book running the show at quarterback. When he first played against SC a couple of years ago, he was very inexperienced, was a backup who was getting a chance. Now he's the starter in control of everything. Tony Jones Jr., the running back. He got a big receiver in Chase Claypool. And I think the big thing about Notre Dame, though, is the tight ends that you've got. I think that's what's going to give USC some trouble. Let's talk about them. Yeah, absolutely. Look, Cole Komet, it was a big loss, you know, to start off the season, you know, they had a broken collarbone. Him coming back against Georgia, you saw what kind of talent he was. I mean, instantly, first game back, over 100 yards receiving, touchdown uh, against one of the better teams in the country, number three, Georgia Bulldogs. So, and since his arrival, you've seen the offense kind of take a little bit of a turn. He adds, him being out there adds so much more to this offense where you can use Tommy Tremble more as he's supposed to be used as an athletic tight end, somewhat of an H-back role, although Brock Wright does do that, but he does a lot of fullback stuff too as well, and I like to call fullbacks fullbacks. It really helps set this offense off where we have good wide receivers out on the edge, but what Cole Komet does and matchups down the middle of the field, you know, nobody can really stop that. Yeah, and we will see against USC's defense that's a little bit undersized how those uh, big receivers that you've got at receiver and tight end are going to do. What would you expect is the key matchup to look for between SC's defense and Notre Dame's offense? I think it all comes down to coverage and what USC rolls out there. Ian Book does have some difficulty or has had some difficulty with some decision making. And I think he did a really good job against Bowling Green. But again, that's Bowling Green. Brian Kelly said this is one of the best USC defenses that he's seen since he's been there. So that gives you some pause to think about the things that Ian Book has to do. And he's, you know, he's missed some wide open, I mean, absolutely wide open wide receivers streaking down the field. Just some some decision making that he has to do, you know, go through his progressions. And, you know, if USC can confuse him, they stand a good chance. Yeah, I saw a stat during that Bowling Green game that he's been a lot better when he gets rid of the ball quickly, two and a half seconds or less compared to when he's holding on to the ball. So we'll see if SC can force him to have to make decisions after holding on to the ball or flushing him out of the pocket. But again, SC has trouble with running quarterbacks and we know Book is a decent athlete. So we'll see if they'll be able to contain him in that regard. Now flipping to the other side of the ball, the Notre Dame defense against the SC offense. Like you mentioned, there was some questions about the back end possibly of Notre Dame's defense coming into the season, but the strength has to be that defensive line. And we've already seen good defensive lines have given USC a lot of trouble. And you've got a couple of studs on that defensive line in Julian Okwara and Myron Tonga-Vailoa-Amosa. Obviously, if the way that teams have been successful against USC is now the new blueprint for how to stop USC, like what BYU and Washington did with dropping back 7-8 in coverage, only rushing 3 or 4, what would we expect that defensive line Notre Dame to do? Yeah, I think they're going to do quite well on Saturday night. Uh, Julian Aquara for sure. Notre Dame is extremely deep at defensive end. Not just Aquara, but Khalid Kareem on the other side. You have Ade Ogundeji. You got Jameer Jones. Dalen Hayes was the backup and was rotating and playing as well as anybody, but he was lost for the season. But Notre Dame was legit three, four deep at defensive end coming into the season. Probably the deepest it's ever been, and this even goes back to the Holtz days. It's not hyperbole. It, it is actually true. Their defensive ends are incredible, and they run deep. 
and they put a lot of pressure on. They're very athletic and they're aggressive. Julian Aquara has a nice mean streak to him. Khalid Kareem, I mean, they're just absolute maulers out there. And then with the guys inside, MTA, I'll give you credit for pronouncing it. I have given up pronouncing those last names. Maybe it's your West Coast roots out there that helps you <laughs> a little bit better. But him, Kurt Heinisch, freshman Jacob Lacey, uh, Jason Admiola. There's a rotation all along the defensive line. They bring guys in. They're fresh. And they can play. There isn't a big drop off when they're rotating in, which hasn't been a Notre Dame hallmark for a long, long time. So they're going to go and get after it. And I imagine that there will be a lot of just rushing four and dropping back eight in the coverage with, with the way you guys run your offense. We've got a lot of those Polynesian names on USC's team as well, especially over the years. And I'm okay sometimes, but Lord Myron there, it's such a tongue twister that I just give up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a mush mouth anyways, so it doesn't help. I'm used to it. I'm getting better at it every day, basically. (laughs) But yeah, listen, we saw it against BYU. We saw against UW. They basically dropped everyone back, dared USC to run. And in Graham Harrell's air raid offense, he is supposed to basically drill in that you take what's given. If you're supposed to run with those kind of fronts and defensive backs, then you do it. And USC was not that great at it against BYU, was a little bit better against Washington, but just didn't quite get everything done done in the passing game. So is that how Notre Dame is going to play it? I, I don't know how often Notre Dame actually plays air raid offenses, but what would you expect them to do against an air raid offense that you might not see a lot? Yeah, well, they do have a really, really solid dime package. They'll bring in uh, freshman phenom Kyle Hamilton, who has just been incredible. He's got two interceptions already this year. One of them was returned for a touchdown. And if it wasn't for the fact there was two returning seniors at safety who were both really good in their own right, Jalen Elliott and Aloe Gilman, Kyle would have been started as a freshman for sure, but he is still a big part of this, this Notre Dame defense and what they do in the dime package. Teams that have been forced on third down to throw have not found a lot of success. They do just rush their four defensive linemen and drop those guys back. They haven't played a lot of air raid teams uh, per se, but unless you're like Jake Fromm dropping dimes and he still only had 187 yards passing, it was just some very key, very accurate throws that he got. They do quite, quite well. The Virginia quarterback really burned Notre Dame in the first half. Notre Dame made some adjustments. Wasn't even a thing in the second half at all. So against the pass, they've really done quite well. Uh, and just to piggyback that, their you know rush defense since those first two games has been incredible as, as well. So they have a lot of confidence in what they do and who they put out there. And I think they'll have the same uh, against USC. And we'll see Keaton Slovis, who, of course, missed the Washington game because of uh, concussion, not clearing the concussion protocol. He's expected, of course, to be back for this game. His first trip on the road to BYU didn't go so well. We'll see how he goes in South Bend. And again, this is Nara Wang on the Believe in USC podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes and wherever else you can find podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Our website is Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media at Believe Podcasts. For me on Twitter, you can find and follow me at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Joshua, where can they find you guys on the social media platforms? Sure. Just stay away from Facebook as a general rule to everybody out there. <laughs> but Twitter, definitely uh, at one foot down. Uh, also, my own account there on Twitter at the Subway Domer, uh, which has been treated more like a burner account over the last couple of years. Uh, but we still have a lot, still have some fun with it. Um, also on Instagram at one foot down SBN. And this is a rivalry week. This is hate week. This is Notre Dame USC. I imagine there will be a lot of good fun coming at everybody on those accounts. 
Yep. And I don't know how you feel about this, but in my personal opinion, this is the best, greatest college football rivalry there is. It's not tied to geography. It's not tied to conferences. It's just two teams with a rich college football tradition that have decided to play each other over 90 times. And I don't think there's anything better than it in college football. Oh, it's absolutely fantastic. You will definitely get pushback from others, and that's fine. College football is a regional sport, so there'll be those that throw the Iron Bowl at you or Ohio State, Michigan, and and I get it. But we say the greatest intersectional rivalry in college football, well, I think it's the only one. I mean, name name another intersectional rivalry. The only way that it's done is by two teams of this caliber, USC and Notre Dame. They've been doing it for damn near 100 years, and it's been fantastic. It's a game that has decided Heisman trophies, national champions. It's been a game that's been full of surprises. It's been just incredible. Uh, it has a rivalry trophy that's amazing uh, that unfortunately Notre Dame chooses to keep in the shadows when they own it. But overall, it, it's fantastic. It's great. It's the game I circle every year, obviously. And for Notre Dame fans, it is definitely, you know, the term rivalry and rival gets brought up a lot with Notre Dame. And they will bring up a lot of different teams. But Notre Dame fans will often be quick to say that there is only one rival for Notre Dame, that is USC, and that is it. So that makes this the biggest game on the schedule each year for us, and that makes it a great rivalry. And I'll tell you right now, when the jeweled shillelagh is in USC's possession, we proudly display it. I am working on that with with Notre Dame as far as I have been tilted at windmills uh, every year. In fact, Notre Dame's SID, Brian Harden, which was, this must have been about eight years ago, I interviewed him about Notre Dame. Like, Notre Dame has six, seven rivalry trophies. But I had asked him why they don't bring this thing out in the field. You know, why don't you do this? Uh, you know, they have the megaphone in Michigan State, which is another one, another shillelagh with Purdue. Uh, we found a lost shillelagh last year between Notre Dame and Northwestern. Uh, some investigative reporting on our site by one of my editors, Jude Seymour, unearthed this shillelagh that was lost to time, which is pretty cool. But I'd asked Brian Harden, I said, you know, why don't you do it? He said, well, we got so many, we, you know, you do it for one, you have to do it for others. I'm like, why? It's USC. This isn't Purdue. This isn't freaking Boston College. This is USC. And he just kind of repeated back. So I think Notre Dame is very conscious about what they do and, and they very slow to change, unfortunately. Uh, so <laughs> maybe one of these days they'll have it out in the field. Uh, but, you know, I love it and I'll always call for it. Yeah, unfortunately, it just hasn't been in USC's possession that much over the last That's few okay. years. <laughs> That's okay. But okay, Joshua, it is time. Let's get your game score prediction for this Saturday. We spoke before recording. I didn't even really know what the line was. I think you said it was 11 and a half. Uh, I don't know what the over-under is. And I, I base a lot of my predictions somewhat off of those. But just seeing USC come into town uh, at night, you never can tell what's going to happen with South Bend weather, regardless of uh, weather forecasts. Young quarterback coming off concussion, going against that defensive line, that pass pressure. I just feel Notre Dame is going to, even if this game is close going into halftime, I think Notre Dame is able to pull away in the second half based a large part about what they do of their halftime adjustments. Uh, so I see this thing going down 31-17. I think there's going to be some moments in the game, but Notre Dame eventually uh, pulls this thing out. All right. So Joshua Viles, no surprise, going with Notre Dame, going with 31-17. And I'm going to have to tease everyone because I'm going to be doing my predictions coming up in the next segment. So Joshua Viles, site manager for One Foot Down, the SB Nation website for Notre Dame football. Thank you for joining us here on the Believe in USC podcast this week and appreciate your insights into Notre Dame. Absolutely. And now let me welcome back to the show for the 
always super fun prediction segment, Frosty Rucker, coming back to join us here on the USC Football Podcast. Again, if you enjoy listening to us, you can subscribe and rate the show on iTunes and find this wherever you find your favorite podcasts, which is iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. The website is Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com. Com or on social media at Believe Podcasts. For me on Twitter, you can find and follow me at Nara Wang Sports, N A R A W E N G Sports. Frosty, go ahead and let the people know how they can communicate with you. Yeah, one more time uh, at The Organic Cross on Twitter. Again, we can talk about SC robberies, we can talk NFL, we can talk whatever you want. We can talk about your mom's spaghetti or meatloaf. At The Organic Cross on Instagram. Twitter, and Frosty Rucker on Facebook. Awesome. Feel free to reach out to both of us if you want to talk about USC football or give your comments and questions on the show. So now, again, it is time to do our predictions, what we think is going to happen in this game. And we start, of course, with the players that we believe in, the person that we think will do the best for USC in this game. And so, Frosty, I will let you go first. Who is the player that you believe in for Saturday? You know, going back and forth thinking about this, we always want to single out a player, right? And I kind of want to be in a big guy and all. I want to say the offensive line will have something to do with this. I believe coming off a bye, there's got to be a new strategy. Not to say that we haven't ran the ball more effectively, but I feel like the attitude will be set up front, and I will usually go defensive side of the ball here. But like I said, the attitude to shush the crowd up has to be up front with the O-line. They got to battle. We got to get it in third and short so we can run the ball and take the air out of the play. So I'm going to go with a group, and I'm going to say the offensive line. All right. So Frosty Rucker, the player that he believes in, is actually a group of players. The O-line is your choice. For me this week, I'm actually going to go on the defensive side of the ball. I think that the key is going to be the return of Talanoa Hufanga, who missed the Washington game because he was also in the concussion protocol. And he actually ended up getting that ridiculous personal foul penalty for celebrating after we recovered the fumble. And he jumped onto the field for a chest bump and got flagged for us. So even though he didn't play, he still got us a flag, which is kind of typical of how USC's penalties have been over the years. But I think his return is going to spark the USC defense and hopefully can lead us to an upset victory. The player I believe in this week is safety Talanoa Hufanga. Great player. Haven't seen someone as dynamic in a very long time. His return will be good, and I think that's a solid pick. I appreciate it, and we will see what happens there. So now it is time to pick our game score. The line is fluctuating. It's around 11 points that Notre Dame is favored at home. So again, this is just for entertainment purposes only. If you decide to take whatever we give you as our predictions and use that as your bets, that is on you. We are not responsible for anything that may happen. Now, if we help you out, 
we'll be happy to take the credit for it. Yeah, we can throw in our Venmo. All right. <laughs> but if you lose money, that's on you. We're not responsible. No. All right. Let me start off the game score prediction. And again, I have predicted against USC. And when I have, USC has actually won more than they've lost. I picked them to lose against Stanford and Utah, and they won. I did pick them to lose against Washington, which unfortunately they lost. So even though I pick against USC, it does not mean I don't love USC. I am just being a realist. And unfortunately, at the start of the year, I thought that after this brutal six-game stretch to start the season, USC would be 3-3. Three and three. Well, they're at 3-2 and two now, and so I do think they're going to live up to that prediction I made at the start of the season. I think it's going to be a tough loss against Notre Dame. I think they're going to play them tough. I think it's going to go into the second half. Unfortunately, I think Notre Dame is going to make the better second-half adjustments, and they are going to pull away and win with a big second half, I'm going to go with Notre Dame 34, USC 24. Well, at least they cover if we're going to go off what you're saying. Yeah, I'm giving them that. Yes. Yeah, for the betters. Yes. For the betters, the sports betters out there. I think they cover. I think it's going to be closer than that because the emotions are going to be really high. I think statistically shown coming off her by a plane versus them, we win the game. I mean, they're number nine in the country. We're not going to discredit anything that they got going on for themselves. Brian Kelly has those guys going. And again, their only loss was versus undefeated Georgia team. So I'm thinking a tighter score. And I'm going with the Trojans because you're going against them. And this whole podcast is about believing. And I believe. I believe with all the pressure coming from the outside with the media for Coach, that he's on the hot seat, even on this podcast, he's on the hot seat. He has his own segment. I think he pulls one out and shocks the world, gets these guys to believe. Do I think it saves his job at the end of the year? Not sure. But I think they win this game. I think they go into South Bend and the hatred brews up. The emotions come together. They play together, coming off a bye. They get their quarterback back. They get their safety back, like you mentioned. And I'm going with 30-24 USC. All right. I love it. Going out on that limb and going with the underdog USC Trojans to win 30-24. Frosty Rucker, putting yourself out there. I like it. Why not, right? Hey, USC is certainly capable. That's one thing I always say about USC. It seems as if they could win any game, but they could also lose any game. You just don't know what you're going to get with USC. It's that inconsistency that drives all of us nuts. Oh my God, it does. And <laughs> I think coming off a of bye, I mean, I think they'll focus. I think they'll have a rejuvenated energy. I think this rivalry game means something to those seniors and they go in there and they give it everything they got. Defense makes some big plays. We win the turnover battle, which sets us up to not trade touchdowns, but to go touchdowns to field goals, and we end up winning it. All right. So our game score prediction, again, I'm going 34-24 Notre Dame, and Frosty is going 30-24 USC. So now it's time for the prop bet segment of the predictions. This is where we're going to pick something that happens in the game, not tied to the score or a player necessarily that you could usually bet on, but it's just one of those kind of fun little bets where we think that this is going to for sure happen in the game. For me, I call mine Nara's no doubter. Frosty, what are we going to call your prop bet pick? Oh, that's a good one. Well, we're going to stick with my name, Frosty, because people are more familiar with that than Rucker. So we're going to go Frosty. Frosty's cold. So Frosty's cold, hard truth. Frosty's cold, hard truth. I like it. 
That's solid, man. There you go. So what is Frosty's cold, hard truth going to be? Frosty's cold, hard truth about this game versus Notre Dame, the number 19 in the country, is the USC Trojans are going to win the turnover battle and give this offense a chance to score with short field. And those turnovers are going to come from, I believe, that cost fumbles and interception. And you may see a score, a defensive score. Ooh, that's that's going out there. So you that's that's partly why you're picking the Trojans to win. You think the defense is gonna get it done and win the turnover battle. Yeah, I believe they set up the offense and like I said, you gotta pack your special teams and your defense when you're on the road, especially in a game like this where the offense is at a disadvantage with the crowd noise and the defense is gonna set the offense up, hush the crowd down, will score on offense, but the credit will be given to the defense because of that, and that's why the Trojans will be victorious. Okay. I like it. Frosty's cold, hard truth is that SC wins the turnover battle. So my Nara's no doubter is similar vein. It's about turnovers. I think there's going to be a little bit of sloppiness out there in South Bend on both sides. And I'm going to say that there's going to be four turnovers in the game. So a combined four turnovers by both teams. So hopefully, if you're right, then SC is winning that turnover battle at least 3-1 or 4 nothing. But I am going to say that there will be four turnovers in this game combined by both teams. A little bit of sloppiness, and it will be a matter of who can take advantage of the turnovers they get. That's solid. At least we're going with turnovers. Yeah. Very similar thoughts on our prop bet position for this week. So to recap our predictions here, the players that we believe in, I went with the return of safety, Talanoa Hufanga. Frosty is going with a group, a position group, the offensive line to get the job done for USC. In our game score, I am, again, don't be mad Trojan fans. It might likely turn out better, but I'm going to pick Notre Dame to win 34-24. Frosty, he believes in the Trojans. He's taken USC 30, Notre Dame 24. And Nara's no doubter is that there will be a combined four turnovers in the game. Frosty's cold, hard, truth is that USC wins the turnover battle. So we shall see how things turn out in that case. And then as we wrap things up here, Frosty, any final thoughts from you going into the big USC-Notre Dame rivalry to see who wins the jeweled shillelagh? Oh, what a prize to win. I would say anything I could say is fans stay with the team. Those athletes need you guys. We all have opinions on a lot of different things, but I believe if we're trusting in the preparation of these kids while they're battling all this outside noise, if we show them support and like the Trojans travel, I know we're going to come deep. If we're out there yelling loud, they hear you. They with them. Fight to the very end. And sounds cliche, but fight them. Thank you very much. And for my special guest this week, former USC and NFL defensive lineman Frosty Rucker and the site manager for One Foot Down, SB Nation's Notre Dame football website, Joshua Valls. I'm Nara Wang. Thanks for joining us for Episode 7 of the USC Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team in L.A. and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? And even if I may not believe that USC is going to win, I always hope that they do. 
and I end every show with a hearty fight on. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.